0: Hello and welcome to Myth Mythmakers Myth Makers is the podcast for fantasy creatives and fantasy fans. My name is Julia Golding. I am the director of the Oxford Centre for Fantasy and also an author. And today I'm joined by our Marvel fan, Edward. And we're going to be talking about Spider-Man No Way Home which in this week has just topped over a billion in takings globally and has joined the ranks of the ten highest-grossing films, so it's clearly made swung in with a great impact onto the cinematic scene this year. We should give a quick shout-out at the very beginning to the writers, because when people talk about films, the writers often get forgotten, so I want to make sure that we all recognise the work of Chris McKenna and Eric Summers in writing the script for this particular film. But before we go to review the film, I think it'd be interesting to review where Spider-Man came from and how he f- it fits within the Marvel Universe. So, Edward... There's obviously been many Spider-Man films before, but what is the story of how Spider-Man came to join the Marvel Universe and be made by Marvel Studios?
1: It's a pleasure to be back. So Spider-Man was a character made by Marvel. Marvel the comic company, at least. But at some point along the road, they sold off the film rights to him and most of their other characters that were making a lot of money at the time. And so Marvel Studios, as it exists today, wasn't around when they started making Marvel Spider-Man films uh, And instead it was Sony who owned all of the all of the rights. So those first Tobey Maguire films uh, came from Sony owning the film rights and making uh, the stories from there. And they had three films, all of which did pretty well but they decided to not continue it to a fourth and instead Uh, reboot Spider-Man if you like uh, with another what was meant to be at least another trilogy and by this time Marvel had made their own film studio and had started off their films but then we got some Andrew Garfield films.
0: That's The Amazing Spider-Man.
1: Yeah so they had the prefix The Amazing instead Uh, and they had one film which had moderate success and then a second film which was pretty panned at least critically i'm pretty sure commercially and they decided to eventually strike a deal with uh, marvel studios now owned by disney to sort of collaborate together and that's how we ended up with i guess they're called the home trilogy because they've all got home in their title with tom holland
0: so just before we move on to the tom holland series I'm interested in the failure as well as the success. So why do you think the second Amazing Spider-Man film failed? It happens to be the only one I haven't seen. I've seen all the others. And I had a reason, personal reason, for not wanting to see the second one. And I wondered if that was part of the problem, because I know it has a very unhappy turn in it, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, spoilers for uh, probably, I guess it's probably 10 years by now. I'm not quite sure.
0: I think we're uh, allowed to say.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it has it has a sad moment in it. And to be honest, that's probably the bit of the film that works best and is used in this new film. Again, spoilers on that <laughs> a bit retrospectively. There is actually, um, if you want somebody a more expert opinion on on why it wasn't a success, there are actually some, some published notes. There was an email hack, I don't know if you remember. Oh, yes. Of Sony. Yeah and loads of stuff came out in that about Spider-Man and one of the things was some communication between Sony and Kevin Feige who's you know the architect for the Marvel cinematic universe and he basically went through a list of of changes he would have made and things he didn't think worked which he seems to have been proving mostly right on but the general notes I think are they they were trying to do too much really they were trying to set up a whole series of other films they could spin out from it and kind of had a bit of a confused mess as a result. They they had, um, I, I'm trying to remember quite how many, I think it was technically three different villains in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, but they also had a basement where you could, it was full of villain suits, which isn't really a very compelling character origin, to then say, oh, well, if you want to be the villain, the rhino, you just go to that basement and you put on the suit and then now you're the villain, the rhino. There was a lot of weird convolution in that series. They were trying to have this angle where his parents were like cool spies or something.
0: So they threw everything in the kitchen sink at it and something about that meant it collapsed under the weight of its own accumulated narrative.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I personally... I still quite enjoyed the film. I don't th- I think it's a mess. Don't get me wrong. But I think it's got some really effective scenes in it.
0: Andrew Garfield is a great actor. I mean, I yeah. don't think it's, any- it's not his fault that the film doesn't succeed. He may be miscast by the age he's doing that, well, I it suppose. Is,
1: it is pretty funny to see. I mean, this is a problem in uh, at least the first two trilogies to see a a 20, well. 28, possibly 30s year old man go around pretending that they're a high schooler and the teachers look about the same age in a lot of cases.
0: Okay, um, so let's turn to Tom Holland who joined the Marvel Universe not in his own film to begin with. He began in The Avengers, didn't he? He was sort of first introduced gently that way.
1: Yes, so it was rather unusual first entry for him. In that, yes, it was in. A, it wasn't technically an Avengers film, but it basically was, and it was in Captain America: Civil War, and there he had just a short appearance, really. But they they knew what they were doing and knew it was a a big character to be introducing, and I think it was quite a fairly it was a fairly late addition to that film, and it seems that quite a lot of changes in these Spider-Man films get made, as, the planets align with studio. Decisions and agreements being reached and the deal came in just in time for him to be put in it. So they Changed quite a lot about what had been done previously with the character to make him fit in there in such an unusual point because he didn't Have like a full origin in in that story. They had to Make it shorter and make it fit and I think they to quite a large extent they could rely on This is a very famous character. You don't really need to explain where he's from most people know I think, who, at least certainly most people who are going to go see Captain America Civil War will know Spider-Man, his name's Peter Parker, he got bitten by a radioactive spider, his uncle was murdered, with great power comes great responsibility, superhero. That's been in there since his origin and are elements that work.
0: And so then he, Tom Holland was then in his own film, which was Spider-Man Homecoming, And that's the one about the homecoming dance. And he was convincingly a high schooler because I think he was in his late teens, wasn't he? He'd come out of being a dancer on the Billy Elliot stage show. And then this was one of his first major roles on screen.
1: Yes, he was very late teens or at least early 20s.
0: Yeah, so they didn't make the same mistake of having someone too old. He looked like he could be walking. He still does actually look quite very young, so he gets away with it in a way. Uh, He's one of those youthful actors, a bit like Elijah Wood or uh, Daniel Radcliffe. He's got that young look. He's going to have that for a long time, I think. So you had the Spider-Man homecoming, and then my personal favourite of all of them is Spider-Man Far From Home, which is the one where they go on the school trip. I like all the stuff with the teachers. That, that makes me laugh. And then we've just had this latest instalment, which is Spider-Man No Way Home, which was set up in a one of those right-at-the-end scenes where they reveal something, which then they pick up in the next film. And this one was that his real identity had been exposed to the world. So we knew this was coming. We knew roughly where he was what his dilemma was before the film came out. Did you have much hopes for this film? Did you know it was going to be good? Or did you expect it not to hit the right notes?
1: I think I knew I would enjoy it. The directors, uh, it was the same director for all, all three of the Tom Holland films.
0: That's John Watts.
1: Yes, he's, he's proved himself to be very, very capable. And I thought it's important to remember with all the marketing around this, it was kind of a poorly kept secret that they have other Spider Men in it. So do, if you haven't seen it. the
0: film now probably and you it, don't want to it. know, yeah, if you don't want to know about the major plot points in it, stop listening. Go and watch it, and then come back and see if you agree with our uh, review of it. Because I don't think we can sensibly talk about it without saying there are other Spider Men because it is the best bit. Yeah, maybe about put this a, film. A Full spoiler.
1: Yeah, we'll at we, the we will. Yeah, but yeah, no, I I thought that I would probably enjoy it. But I wasn't necessarily expecting it to come together as a story. And I don't know if it... not everything in it did, I think. Not everything made sense, but it did make a, a consistent narrative in a way that I didn't think it would. I, I thought that it would probably be just quite a fanservicey y fun ride. Which it was, but it did also have, I think it's fair to say, a plot and an arc uh, in it.
0: Yes, it has basically three acts, which is quite classic. It's got an opening act, which is um, Spider-Man saying, I've been exposed, I want to undo that. So the beginning of the film is all about the, and the shortest part is all about what happens to him when he becomes too famous, a bit of a hate figure, the impact on his friends and family. And the middle act is he's gone to Doctor Strange to have the, that process reversed so he can go back to how things were. And that's when the previous villains start coming into his universe as a collision of this multiverse. And that's the weakest part, I think. It's too if unless you absolutely know who all these villains are, um some of the emotional impact of that is muffled, I think. It's a, it's oh this person turns up and this person. There are actually five villains who come back only three of which really get proper screen treatment so i think they may have overdone the number of villains and then the last act is really the best one i think with the return of the other two spider-men and the strongest and most emotional um, films uh, part of the film is when they're talking to each other and supporting each other from their different perspectives of maturity, with Tom Holland character being the youngest and the Tobey Maguire character being the oldest. And there is a very pleasing way they tie up some of the threads that were left trailing in the other two series. Uh, There's a moment for redemption for each of the other two Spider-Men, which I thought was great, that was very nice, and made a, a wonderful story arc. A bit overlong, do you think it was... Um...
1: I think that it earned its runtime. time, to be honest. I don't know if I necessarily agree that the, the middle bit was weakest, but maybe that's just because I appreciate seeing these returning returning villains.
0: But what about that Sandman character who gets practically... He, he, there's him and... See, I can't even remember. The, there's. I was
1: wondering who you think the three who were treated Screen best. There's Green Goblin... So, yeah, so he gets good the treatment. The octopus guy. So does he.
0: And... Who you, you think
1: the third that had good treatment was?
0: The... I can't... Mag- magnetic one.
1: Oh, do you mean Electro? Electro. Oh, yeah. Or the Sparky. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. kind of exciting know if I'd even include him on the list. Really, I think that Dr. Octopus and Green Goblin got, you know, dedicated time and the other three were there to sort of round out the villains. But, yeah, particularly the Sandman one. That's actually somewhere where... It doesn't really work with the character they had established in previous films I don't remember that much about him to be no. honest but I'm pretty sure that he was basically a good guy by the end and he starts this film as a quite good guy as well and then just at some point decides he's going to join the baddies I think there's maybe a missing plot beat in there mm. which would sort of I don't know convince him that he actually needs to team up with them And then the the lizard is a bit of a weird character. The
0: lizard. Thank you. Obviously, I've forgotten him. Um, It shows that there was something wrong there in the storytelling. I
1: mean, he was probably one of the weaker villains they ever had, to be honest. So I guess it makes sense that he he wasn't as well used.
0: Um, I suppose one of the things they're trying to do is match the good guys, who are obviously Spider-Man and his two friends. What?
1: Two other Spider-Man?
0: No, no. Oh, yes yeah, mj and ned. ned and then the other two spider-men so you get five and five
1: yes i mean the, there's an interesting thing there which is famously spider-man fights the sinister six who the exact roster tends to vary a bit but is usually this six is villains. in the world of the comics is it yes and other consequent media and I think that they were really angling for six and couldn't quite make it work in the end. They couldn't quite find somebody else who was already established. <laughs> six? Oh
0: my goodness. Then you'd I mean, have had to have Presumably,
1: been... there must be a villain that they didn't use. They could have brought that rhino guy, that Russian rhino guy. He would have even less uh, <laughs> treatment in the film, I think, but at least it would then be six. And I know that they did have, I mean, it's much more of an afterthought really, but they did technically have Venom in their film. He could have been it. That would have probably made more And sense. I suppose
0: Doctor Strange was also in it. Though to say he was on the good guy side, he is actually an, an- antagonistic presence for much of it.
1: Yeah, he's got a lot to answer for. He certainly has. Concerned. I mean, We'll
0: come to him in a minute because <laughs> uh, I think that's a part where the plot doesn't quite hold together. But I think it's important to say that one of the successful things that this particular um, film did is that the fight wasn't about let's defeat the bad guy. It's a fight about what can we do for the bad guy. Mm. And I like that. I really like the fact that they were, the stance that Spider-Man, Tom Holland is taking is we can't just go and crush the bad guy because some of the bad guys are the result of that having happened to them. What you do with your power produces, gets the backlash. And he's trying to break that circle at great cost. We won't spoil the plot totally for that but there is a great cost that is levied as a result of that decision.
1: I I think we should maybe talk about it.
0: (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Again, this is a a spoiler warning here. So I think
1: that, so the big change, the big twist that we're talking about is that um, somewhere in the middle of the film, prior to the final act sort of getting started, is Aunt May, his only living family, is killed by the Green Goblin and that sort of sets him on This arc of of vengeance until he gets the influence of, of the other Spider Man. And I thought that that was an interesting choice because one thing that's been pointed out by quite a lot of commentators since is that this trilogy now sort of forms its own Spider Man origin story and where they've left him. Instead of Uncle Ben dying, as is the sort of classic version, Aunt May, and perhaps you could argue a combination of Iron Man, who's also dead by now, and was a father type figure they serve as the motivation if you like for his superheroics. and in fact there doesn't actually there's not necessarily ever been an uncle ben to this spider-man i don't think it's explicitly mentioned at any point that there was an uncle ben who said something about with great power comes great responsibility and so i think it forms quite a neat set, like trilogy on its own as a result of that and i think it does make for Quite a good scene uh, between between the two actors.
0: I think on the theme of the women in the film that another the the strongest Mary Jane or MJ in this case is in this group of Spider Man films because the way Zendaya plays it as this sardonic presence, I think, is absolutely charming and has broken a mold in that she. There is nothing traditional about that kind of girlfriend. I think she has a really fresh presence and I've enjoyed watching every moment of her on screen as a result. So I thought that was very successful. She never felt like a sort of side, you know, appendage. She felt like a strong person in her own right.
1: Yeah, I mean, Kirsten Dunst does spend most of the Tobey Maguire films being kidnapped by a villain taken to a high place. And then has to scream whilst uh, Spider-Man fights villain mm. in general. I think that happens in all three.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, and in sure. this one, Zendaya is definitely She's there never... with Ned. They're equally She's taking part. She's not the part. damsel
1: in distress on no. her own, at least, from what I can remember.
0: So um, I think, you know, that's that's a, a real plus point. And it's just not necessary
1: as well to... You don't need to do that. No. It's been seen.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So that was that was really good too. So thinking about the film as a whole, um, there is one issue that we had when we were discussing it, is the role of Doctor Strange. He connects Spider-Man to the idea of the multiverse, really, doesn't he? It's, it's through him and his magic that this breakage happens. And what's really, I think, slightly problematic in the film is he makes it seem as though it's entirely spider-man's fault when
1: it is a classic case of well well i hope you're happy you did this
0: <laughs> where's it is <he's> the one <laughs> who lost concentration way to deflect the blame <laughs> and I, that was a bit strange i wonder what it's going to do for the next doctor strange film if they're going to have any connection to that because he did seem there, um, there is a bit of
1: you could argue that what they were doing is showing that he's in a point of crisis in his life where he is making bad decisions okay because he has, he's lost his job. He's been gone for five years. Maybe he feels guilty for killing that guy he didn't like, Iron Man, <laughs> which he sort of did, arguably. It was his plan, it was wasn't it? His plan, it? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, and this is referring this, to this end is, game. This is sort of spoilers again. But it looks as if, based on a trailer that's at the end of the Spider-Man film, it looks as if his love interest from the last film is getting married and not to him. So I think that's probably going to be a personal question. So you could put it as a, he is making bad decisions, but I think there's very little (laughs) self-awareness from him. At no point does he go, I should have probably explained, or maybe I should have taken the moment to sort of warn you what would happen here. He is a doctor. There are preps before surgeries, and he's meant to be a surgeon you would have thought he'd do better.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're referring to the, the actual spell or the casting of this spell scene where all sorts of things come up and he's acting as if Spider-Man's questions were un, were not fair or unnecessary when really there are the kind of questions... He should have... It's a bit like saying what the possible side effects might be for an operation. You need that conversation before you're in the middle of the operation. and that. But it doesn't happen like that.
1: But, I mean, of course, the answer is... I mean, it needed to happen
0: yeah, to enable story.
1: them to do what they did with the story where they could have all of these... It's just an excuse to put them all together, all these characters, really.
0: Mm. So I think one of the themes that come through the the whole of the, the Tom Holland um, version of Spider-Man is always this thing about unintended consequences. Because in his own first film, Spider-Man Homecoming... He tries to be a superhero in the kind of way that he sees the Avengers being. And it ends up backfiring and blowing up a local corner shop and all sorts of things. So he's reined in by the Tony Stark character because he's had unintended consequences. He wasn't old enough to take on the role he was trying to achieve.
1: Or he was doing it for the wrong reasons. Yes. Yeah.
0: And I think that's quite an interesting theme that runs all the way through the spider man And the same thing happens in this film is that very much on a bigger scale, he has what he wants has unintended consequences, i.e. the arrival of all these bad guys. So that's a nice theme that's run through the whole trilogy.
1: Yes, and I think that links back into the idea that this is an origin trilogy. Because in that original story, which was adapted for the Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield A fairly important part of the origin is that there is a part where Spider-Man can prevent the man who then goes on to kill Uncle Ben from doing that. He doesn't realise that's what he's doing at the time, letting this guy go, who then goes to kill his uncle. Mm. And that's when the lesson of with great power comes great responsibility really sinks in. So you could argue in in a way that that sort of loops back into this being an origin where in each film... is this lesson being really drilled in and that by the end of it he's at sort of the more classic spider-man status quo and is fully set up as a character
0: yes and the other theme that runs through of course is sacrifice which comes into a lot of the marvel films oddly it also came into um, last year's other big film which is the james bond no time to die it's the you sacrifice the thing you want most for the greater good. Obviously, it also comes into Lord of the Rings and almost many a many a fantasy story. What did you think of the sacrifice that is demanded of Spider Man in this film?
1: Do you mean the one at the end? Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was necessarily done for story reasons. It's it's a difficult thing to speculate on, uh, but it works very conveniently in that now he's disconnected from most of the Marvel Universe stuff. So if they do fail to find a deal for the next time, it's not necessarily as large a problem as if he's meant to be always around in the Avengers or something.
0: It does allow um, a reset button being yes. pushed, doesn't it? But we thinking I about think, it in terms of story.
1: As a sort of a conclusion to his character arc, I think it's quite good because it then yeah means that he is choosing to take further sacrifice and suffering but importantly despite that choosing to be a hero anyway which is part of the lessons that are imparted onto him by the other two spider-men he meet who've had similar similar things where they've had not necessarily knowing beforehand that they were going to make a, a sacrifice but they've had something happen as a result of them and their actions
0: and it's also the tony stark end game moment as well where he Mm. has his wife and his child and almost everything to live for and that's what he has to give up they're very powerful it's very moving it's not just might sort of prevails it's not that it's it's... spider-man
1: does thrive on having a bit of tragedy it seems and it's quite a it's it's a fairly new one to see at least on film they have a very good scene at the end where he goes to a coffee shop and uh MJ is there and Ned is there but neither of them recognize him. Mm. And there's something you know particularly tragic about that. Although it's strange that at least in films Spider-Man has become sort of known for always having sad things and funerals. When really I think as a character he does have things every now and again that are like that those tragedies that set him up but most of the time he's quite a a happy-go-lucky if a bit down on his luck. Uh, character
0: so what do you think is the best spider-man film
1: i actually don't think it's any of the ones we've mentioned because prior to this film there was another spider-man meets other spider-man film and that was there was an animated film called into the spider-verse oh yeah and i actually think that's probably my favorite spider-man film
0: i think that gave surely that gave the idea for this one
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's probably something that they had considered before. But I think the success of that made this pretty much a certainty. Mm. And that, in that case, they didn't have uh, popularly known versions of Spider-Man, like faces they could bring back. But I think what they did, considering that there hadn't been something before that, apart from what people sort of know about Spider-Man was very very effective and I think that they use the mechanism of different Spider-Men having different things have happened to them in some ways more effective or at least I I think I liked I just particularly like it because they have a version of Spider-Man who's basically the Tobey Maguire one but they commit to things that like his life really having gone down the drain which I enjoyed greatly
0: Oh yes, he's a bit like the Fat Thor, isn't he? He's that kind a of bit. thing gone to seed yeah.
1: I mean he's He's, you know, lo- lost the the joy for his work and for for life. But clearly he's still really good at it. Uh but his like his relationship has failed and he's like he's broke. Yeah. All, all of these things. Whereas I kind of felt that they could have done that a bit more with the Toby Maguire Spider Man, who's basically the same. But they weren't willing to commit to saying what had happened to him in quite the same way. Because yeah. they thought, well, maybe we will do something with him. Mm. And also, they are a bit different personality-wise. I think that it's interesting to see all the performances together, because I think, I mean, I don't mean this to be cruel to the actors, but I think Toby Maguire is the most believable as, like, the nerdy Peter Parker. I think that Andrew Garfield is far too handsome and, and cool-looking to, to be bullied for that. Um, but I think he is very good as spider-man and sort of the serious stuff you know the tragedies and then i think tom holland is quite a he's a pretty good balance between those i think he's he's pretty good at both mm. he's less he he's still i think he's a bit more similar as when he's in the costume to the toby Maguire one i think that andrew garfield really pulled off the sort of snarky quippy nature whilst in whilst in the suit
0: i'd say that tom holland is my favorite spider-man Though I would just I mean give... I think
1: he's in the best films. Yes. <laughs> I mean that's probably lo- There are lots of people who uh, love the Sam Raimi which is the Tobey Maguire ones more. But...
0: Well, I have my favorite moment is in those films though and I can't remember it might be the second one. I love the moment where he puts in his Tobey Maguire ones. Yeah, in the Tobey Maguire he puts his he's he's on a downward trajectory. Everything's going wrong for him and it's summed up for when he puts his Spider-Man outfit in the washing machine and watches all his washing going red IA then pink. And they've gone pink it's such a clever image of you know those mistakes we all made but for a superhero so uh, uh,
1: no, that's really and those films really is incredible how good they are considering that they were really uh breaching the wall in a lot of ways i mean they all, all the subsequent spider-man films have had a lot more superhero successful films to go on Mm. But yeah, the Sam Raimi stuff does some really, really good and innovative things.
0: Thank you. So in sum, if you were having to give it a kind of five star, out of five stars review, where would you place Spider-Man No Way Home?
1: Oh, well, I had a great time. Uh, I would probably, you know, f- four or five.
0: Yeah, I think so too. It was. I thought it was a great, really good, entertaining film. Um, I'm not sure
1: if it necessarily would be as good if you if you don't care about spider-man and you haven't seen those other spider-man films but because i had it did
0: yeah i still think the the school trip one is just the funniest because of the the parallel stories running with the school trip doing one thing and spider-man doing another uh the scene in jail for example mm-hmm. is brilliant in that so i think that's still my favorite as you know ed we always have a, a section where we do wherein all the fantasy world is the best place for something. And I want this time to do where is the best place to be Spider-Man? Because I remember talking some years ago with you about how one thread of the storyline for Spider-Man, pun intended, was to come to college in, I think it was Oxford. Yeah, well, it Um, wasn't that
1: he'd been offered a place, but yeah, it's in the Andrew Garfield ones. His his girlfriend, uh, Gwen Stacy, played by Emma Stone, I think it's, it's either Oxford or Cambridge he's been offered a spot and he's they're seriously considering both moving I think and he's sort of thinking oh can I can I fight crime in Oxford and yeah he wouldn't probably wouldn't get very far given that the skyscrapers of New York City enable you to swing through majestically that but...
0: you would end up <laughs> circulating around the Radcliffe camera
1: yeah.
0: basically there's and the, and the university church spire there's not and many places to really go only
1: preventing bike thefts on the whole yeah so
0: Oxford is not a great place to be Spider-Man, so where would you think would be the best place to be Spider-Man
1: well I think you need you need the the very tall buildings certainly, and you need there to be a decent amount of crime to stop I would say that there are some of those, some of the cities in the in the Star Wars prequels they've got that city-planet Coruscant, but then I think about that a bit more and I think he's not equipped to deal with a lot of the (laughs) <laughs> a lot of the dangers there I think so maybe maybe not that what's uh, another
0: there's you know it's crossing it's the DC but Gotham City is you know lots of crime and skyscrapers because oh they basically... would also do pretty
1: well there yeah. yeah
0: I was thinking that maybe for ho- going on holiday somewhere like um, Ithilien would be a good place for him to go oh yeah he could
1: go through trees
0: or Lora- um, Lothlorien or somewhere like that get him out in nature yeah. so he can just enjoy himself or even Tarzan's jungle, you know, staying more on Earth. Yeah, I think it's about time he gave Spider-Man a holiday because his last holiday ended up in disaster with uh, being attacked all the way across Europe. So send him to... Yeah,
1: okay, so we'll say you can go to Ithilien or um, maybe... Uh, what's the Lothlorien forest? Well, that is called Lothlorien. Oh, it's Lothlorien. Yeah,
0: Athenian yeah. is the one... I thought it was a bit more crime there because of the sort of, well, you know...
1: Proximity to... To Mordor. To Mordor, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: Anyway, so thank you very much, Ed, um, for reviewing that for us. And I'm sure, looking ahead, there are many more Marvel films to come. So we'll have you back to talk about the next Trash. So thank you very much for listening and Happy New Year.
1: Thanks for listening to Myth Makers Podcast. Brought to you by the Oxford Centre for Fantasy. Visit OxfordCentreForFantasy.org to join in the fun. Find out about our online courses, in-person stays in Oxford, plus visit our shop for great gifts. Tell a friend and subscribe wherever you find your favorite podcasts worldwide.